0: Hello and welcome to Banking Transform. I'm your host, Jim Marus, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co publisher of the financial brand. Late last year, it was announced that Google will let users open bank accounts, pay friends, and manage budgets through a new product called Googleplex. Initially partnered with Citi and Stanford Federal Credit Union on this new check in and savings product, additional partner institutions have also been announced. In addition, Google has also opened up partnerships with their cloud technology and are co-innovating with Deutsche Bank. Google could also control distribution and displace incumbent banks that fail to execute real-time personalized digital experiences. Our guest for the show today is Yolanda Piazzi, VP of Financial Services for Google Cloud. Yolanda joined Google in mid-2020 after almost 15 years at Citi where she most recently managed FinTech partnerships. In this episode, we'll discuss the financial services strategy at Google. We'll also discuss what the future of banking may look like and who the players may be. Welcome to the show, Yolanda. I think the last time we saw each other, it was in an event in New York City at the very beginning of the pandemic when you were still a city. A lot has obviously changed since then for you and for the marketplace in general. Congratulations on your move to Google, by the way. Yeah, so Google's announcement was really around both your play as far as Googleplex, as well as Google Cloud. And it's obviously not the first foray into banking by big tech. Uh, More than a year ago, Apple launched its credit card with Goldman Sachs, Facebook allowing users to make payments via Messenger. And more recently, Amazon has set up lending programs for small businesses, while Walmart has just announced that they may be jumping into financial services even deeper than they have in the past. Given the shift in the banking ecosystem... What advantages do the big tech and big retail players have versus traditional financial institutions in general? And am I safe to say that Google is not wanting to become a bank? So let's uh, tackle the last piece
1: of that question first. Google has no intention of becoming a bank, and if you think about everything that comes with having a banking license, you know who would actually really want to be getting into that space? It's you know that you bring the regulations and all of that. Um, But I think there's a place in which we can play. And if you think about what's happened over the last 12 months with the pandemic, I think there was this huge wake up and realization that consumer behavior has shifted dramatically. I mean, I even call my mom a digital banker now, and I never thought those words would would come out of my mouth. So I think for us, the ability to help and enable people and these organizations on their journey I've actually lined up a strategy when I came to Google around four key areas. One is how do we get away from just thinking about us as just the core technology infrastructure components? How do we think about organizations and where can we help them enable growth? How do we think about cost reduction? And that's not just on the technology side, but you think about the operational costs and how does technology avail that? Risk, as we all know, one of the fastest-growing expense lines, is how do we play a role in helping companies use technology? And instead of it being people, process, technology, how do we turn that around to technology, process, and people? And then efficiency, which I think is what most people think of, you know, like Google Cloud, right, is the technology efficiency. But when you start to look at all four of those components, and the power of tech and the power of data, AI and ML capabilities, I think we have a huge opportunity to serve and to change the market trajectory
0: overall. So really, as you knew when you were at Citi, it all gets down to how well can you know your customers and your prospects and how can you help to have financial services embedded into their daily life in much the way we do other services, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you joined Google in the midst of the pandemic last year. Looking back, what do you think is the biggest opportunity in financial services that emerged from the pandemic? And what was the greatest risk as a result of the pandemic from your perspective?
1: So I think there was this big shift around, banks are so prepared for financial crisis. There hadn't been a lot of thought given to, how do you operate in a completely different world? It's always been, a, you know, just a given that operations has to be managed and run out of large call cool centers. The thought of sending the agent home right, wasn't even something that was being planned for. The necessity to leverage physical locations, right, to drive sales, to engage customers in a different way was part of the traditional P&L models. And I think what the pandemic did is basically alter the course of all of those traditional, you know, very embedded beliefs and cause everybody to stop and think back. Think about how you collaborate, you know, across teams. If everyone's working from home, how do you engage your customers? Um, my mom becoming a digital banker, she would never have been put in that channel before. So I think it was a actually a forcing factor to get everybody to take a step back and think about business models, customer engagement, and uh, really stop and think about you know, what is the next evolution and uh, what does my customer really want to need and how do you put them in the center of this journey? So for me, the pluses and the leapfrog in some cases um, thinking and thinking a movement across financial services is actually being quite inspiring.
0: You've been thrown in the midst of things with everybody being remote and You're in a very innovative spot at Google in an area that they're looking to expand significantly in the financial services arena. How is the innovation process at Google and how does it differ from what you've seen in the past at other traditional financial institutions?
1: When you take a step back and in the financial services institutions, you know, you're always compelled to stop and put risk at the center of everything you do. What is the impact? What is the implication of this? You know, What can go wrong? What can go wrong is always in the center of your mind. I think one of the things coming to a large tech organization like Google, you start with the what's possible and then work your way back into what's doable. And so one of the things I love here is, you know, everyone's willingness to jump in and to rethink problem statements, that there's nothing that gets the teams more excited than how would we solve this? I think the problem from us, though, is then to make sure that we are really take a step back and think about what is the implications of that? You know, how's this gonna fly with the regulators in financial services? And recognize the speed and time in which we operate is very different to with inside financial services. So it's not that there's not a, a desire to move fast. There's just so many other checks and balances that have to be validated along the way before you can bring anything and even test in market. You know, It's very, very different culturally from that perspective. But I would tell you, I think people are aligned at what the end state should look
0: like. You know, it's interesting you you mentioned risk because you don't think about it, but I'm a legacy banker and the mentality is no losses and then they'll accept whatever comes. And when you think about how Amazon and Walmart, because of uh, returns during the holiday season, they took a stand that said, you know what, if you return something, we're not going to ask you to return it actually. We're just going to absorb that. We'll get you whatever you wanted. It's really looking at the overall perspective of what the relationship is as opposed to, geez, we're, we're going to lose some money on the product that's not going to be returned. But when they looked at, okay, what's it going to take to rebag it, reprocess it, get it to, so it's new with all the pandemics and everything else, they realized that, oh, we can accept some risk and some loss for the bigger good. And, and banking just doesn't think that way in a legacy state. In fairness, I don't think they can. Yeah.
1: Whether you're talking health or wealth, they're two of the most sensitive topics you know and most personalized things that can happen to people and so you know to say oh i took a risk you know with somebody's money or i potentially didn't process this or i caused them fees because i didn't process their payment coming in quick enough isn't acceptable and it isn't tolerable i think financial services are held and should be held to a much higher standard and so you know when they're thinking about something it's not a case of, well, we'll just test it and if it doesn't work, we'll just go in a different direction. It has to be so validated, you know, 10 ways from Sunday before we can even go into the market and be able to test. So I think there's just different expectations, different levels you know, of what people are held accountable to. And I think that's a good thing for that industry, to, to be honest.
0: You know, it's interesting. We, we've done some research for the digital bank report. We did some pre-COVID, which looked at innovation maturity. Data and analytics maturity and digital transformation maturity, and we've now followed up with some research in a what I'll call a post-COVID or COVID-impacted environment. And what was interesting is traditional financial institutions rated themselves lower on all three categories than they did last year, despite the fact that so much has happened. So many institutions introduced digital account opening, digital loan growth, are starting to use data and analytics more. Why do you think they're rating themselves actually lower now than they did a year ago?
1: I think to be honest, it was a wake up call. I think there was a little bit of, you know, I'm serving, I have two types of customers. I have digital customers and I have, you know, my core banking customers that that are much more focused on, you know, the, the branch experience. And what this did is force them to think about how do you bring all of this together and how do you serve a customer in a different way? And I've always said there isn't such a thing as a digital-only customer because the minute something goes wrong, the first thing you want to do is talk to somebody. Make it right. You know, I can't explain this over a chat or, or whatever that might be. And so I think, you know, just the fact that how are they prepared to serve in a pandemic, it was a huge wake-up call to recognize that they were not as digitally mature as you know the up-and-coming fintechs or you know the online retail companies, you know, as an example. So I think it was a humbling experience for many, but also a good experience because I think it's been the precipice to sit back and think about how do you actually operate your business differently, how do you serve your business differently.
0: The banking industry, I think we, we'd agree that they're not successfully meeting the needs of the emerging digital consumer. What do you think is the biggest gap between what the consumer today is looking for and what, what I'll say legacy finance institutions are able to provide?
1: So if you take a look, and I think this is where we could all learn and really start to study consumer behavior, right? The need for instant gratification the ability for choice and flexibility, that could be flexibility of channel, that could be flexibility of products. You know, we've very much forced consumers into, you know, here are the product sets and they haven't really changed in a hundred years. So I think it's starting to look at how do people really live their lives? What is the, the need? You know, I'm a big believer that you'll start to see over the next few years, health and wealth start to come together. Because again, that there's such an area of focus for people. It's so personalized and they completely intersect. You know, a major health emergency has a financial impact or potential for a financial impact. So how do you start to think about and prepare for much more of a connected ecosystem around customer services and what they need? So I think you're going to see that kind of shift and trajectory over time to really start to focus on truly the customer perspective and what the customer demands are. But, you know, it's like, how many people now wait for something to load? Right. You know, right. it's instant, right? It's, they're bored, they've moved on, right? If, if they're waiting more than, you know, a second to be able to retrieve, retrieve information. So it's about how do we meet that demand and that next generation who've only grown up in a digital world is gonna be really interesting.
0: When you look at Google as an organization, obviously a very large organization, how do you see Google in the global sense or the, the overarching sense, being able to help financial institutions in building new services, increasing engagement, and increasing sales?
1: That was exactly why I joined, Jim, and what's like so exciting for me, you know, as you know from prior conversations, I'm hugely passionate about the future of financial services. And for me, when I go back to those four key areas, um, we we all took a step back when I joined and said, let's really think about how we can start being part of driving business solutions. You know, and it's funny, I talk to so many customers about transformation and, uh, I think it's about the most overused words or description next to digital. Um, but, uh, but when I when I talk to a lot of customers and they talk about transformation, I think of transformation as, you know, are you talking about how you cannibalize yourself? Are you talking about how you serve your customer differently? Are you talking about new revenue streams? And I think a lot of where financial institutions are are really much more in optimization. Yeah. Right? You think about the consistent PL and how do I really optimize that? How do I lower my price point to serve? How do I make sure that my customer has access? to all of the core functions. So there is a mass play, I think, that we have to really help on that optimization journey. How to take cost out, how to streamline processing, how to take out the human, and I don't say that with, you know, trying to put a lot of people out of work, but how do you change your risk profile? In environments when your control framework is operated by individuals, that actually becomes your biggest risk so what are the things that we can do to really help enable customers to focus on the optimization so then we can start working with them on the transformation and create the space to be able to go do that and i think the for us at google i think we are perfectly situated to be able to go do that we're not aspiring to be a bank or run you know those services My goal is, and I think the goal goal of all of us, is really how do we enable our customers on that journey?
0: So really it gets down to Google provides the ammunition to build better personalization, be able to do more proactive advice. that gets outside of elements that are simply within the four walls of a financial institution, as well as improving the data analytics capabilities. So in that whole scope of all that data, What role does the cloud play in this and the importance of cloud technology? It's stuff that we talk about a lot.
1: And uh, to quote my colleague here, my my partner, Derek White, who joined from U.S. Bank. Yeah. um, We talk a lot about the four C's of data. Capture, cleaning, caching, and calling. The financial services industries do the first three really, really well. But there's not many great examples of the calling and how do you use data and make it truly actionable across your portfolio as a whole. And the studies and the analytics say that the financial services institutions are actually really utilizing only 1% of their data. And I think that's where we have a huge play, right? You know, Google is data analytics. It is AI and ML. And so our ability to help companies really unlock the potential of all of the data that, that they manage, I think is absolutely huge and really exciting to see how we're going to use data and both AI and ML processes in order to change behavior and change how we engage and bring new solutions to that.
0: So when you take the outside insight that obviously Google has between how a person manipulates through or moves throughout Google search and the data that you collect in the process, Obviously, this moves us towards embedded experiences where banking can actually be more personal to me if the data and analytics are, are managed well and not just used to make better reports. But how do you see the role of Google when you start looking at not only these embedded solutions, but even open banking solutions as it may re- relate to how you partner with non-financial institutions to bring a, a better infrastructure and overarching view. I think you mentioned a little bit about health, but how else beyond that do you think Google can play a role as building a, a better open banking experience?
1: I think we're perfectly set up to do that. When we start to talk about the connected ecosystem, where do we play is, you know, when you start to think about marketplaces, Are these services that, that we can provide in order to enable the financial services to serve their customers differently? I think there's two ways of looking at it. It's like, what can we do independently that you know avails these services to financial services but then what tools you know if you think about Apogee and some of the tools that we have to really advance them on their open banking platform so that they can then decide on who they want to engage with independently. I think there's a couple of paths to really explore and I think different institutions will look for different things. You know, some will want to make that very proprietary and some would love to be able to use as a service. And I think, you know, we have to make sure that we really are lined up on the right way to serve our customers holistically.
0: Recently, it was announced that Deutsche Bank and Google have partnered into a strategic multi-year partnership to accelerate the transition to the cloud, but also co-innovate products and services. I believe this is the first partnership of its kind in the financial services industry, as well as for Google. Can you describe a, a little bit about the partnership and the potential in the future, both at Deutsche Bank, but also at other organizations, potentially?
1: Absolutely, and you know the Deutsche Bank agreement is not for the weak of heart, right? It was a very bold play, and I take my hat off to the teens that watched that on, on both sides of the house, but it was really interesting to take a step back and look at if we align on a strategic partnership, what value can that unlock? And how do we you know, truly start thinking about unlocking the value and the potential? So we talked earlier about the ability to think outside of traditional PLs. A lot of the relationship with Deutsche Bank has allowed them to really explore what are new revenue streams, what are new operating models. And so it was a coming together of an organization that had really aspirational goals around reinventing and really driving a different outcome with the power of technology and tech innovation. And it'll be really, I think, just a fun one to watch as we start to see those pieces actually be realized and come to market.
0: So it's interesting. You know, as I look at this, I mean, you have a number of different ways to partner with financial institutions. You provide a lot of turbocharged energy to be able to move things forward. But there are some in the industry who would see Google's involvement in financial services as a threat. There's others, obviously, some of the companies you've Google's had partnerships with that see it as an opportunity. Is it pretty much the difference between how what the starting point is for the financial institution and where they want to go as to whether or not you're a, a potential threat or an opportunity for them?
1: I would say that, yes, you know, that there's always a potential that anyone's going to be a threat. And I think it's healthy to look at, you know, what those potential threats are and what the landscape looks like. But there's also the ability to look at the opportunities and to start thinking differently. And I I would tell you, people are on different journeys. Google Pay is a great example around how does this really enhance the value proposition um, when you start to bring together the ability to get these services to market on a much broader scale, which enables the bank to really be able to grow, right? So I think it's about looking at the connectivity and the opportunities collectively. And I think we are all ears around those collective opportunities. There's always gonna be the discussion, and I've been a big believer of thinking about what is the right ecosystem? You know, you think about financial services, you think about fintech, you think about big tech and how do they connect and if they decide to work together, there is a place for all of them and it changes the direction of financial services. If any one of those try to do it completely independently, I think we break. So it's how do we leverage, how do we think differently about partner relationships and what needs to be proprietary versus what doesn't need to be proprietary and can be served better by a third party. And I would tell you financial institutions are way more aware of the ability to look outside and not have the need for everything to be built internally anymore. And I think that's a really big shift oh, yeah. in thinking. And because of that, you start to get the power of how you bring these three together. And that will be the enabler to getting to ecosystems um, to really change how financial services is you know, presented to customers of the future.
0: So you spent a relatively long time at City and most recently in your role in city, you were managing FinTech partnerships from the banking perspective. You're now on the other side of the desk. You're now having to, for lack of a better term, knock on the doors of financial institutions to have them buy into the vision of Google as it relates to expanding the potential financial services. What have you seen to be the biggest difference or maybe the biggest surprise being on the side of the, what I call the seller versus the buyer? It, it was a rude wake up call. <laughs> I'm not online. <gonna laughs> I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have, uh, maybe I should
1: have thought about this differently on the other side of the table. But what it does is give me the ability to to recognize financial services. There, there's no quick path, you know, understanding how uh, an organization works, how all of the different. You know, entities that have to weigh in to make sure that they are really protecting their consumer, that, you know, the, from a regulation perspective and how they serve. So there's a piece in that of endurance, but I think one of the things that I've loved sitting on this side of the table is being able to quickly understand where those opportunities are and could be, and how do you start to think about how do we transform businesses with the use of our technology. Um, and so, you know, we've had really good conversations with, with many, many, many financial institutions around truly how do we become a business partner, not just a technology partner? And how do they think about using our technology to really unveil and move forward at, at speed, speed in quotes for financial services? How do we, you know, think about bringing those two things together to be able to solve those business initiatives. And that to me has been really, really exciting sitting on this side of the table because you get to have conversations with many different banks that all along different places on, on their journey.
0: This is something that I've been fortunate enough to go through about a year and a half of doing these podcasts. And I see a completely different tonality, vision, perspective, and even enthusiasm between the fintech companies I interview and traditional banks. And I have come to the realization, I believe, that from my perspective, that one of the biggest drawbacks towards moving forward of a legacy financial institution is the legacy leadership and culture. Um, most leaders in a financial institution have been there their whole career. They're surrounded by people that are much the same as them. And unless they really embrace the change that's taking place, the potential of what can happen, that they may buy into everything you're saying from a technical standpoint, from technology standpoint, I should say, but they they may never sign at the bottom line because they can't buy into what's needed to move forward. Have you seen somewhat the same from your perspective? I mean, you were in a really interesting and innovative area of Citibank, but I'm sure you saw within your own organization then, but you see it now as you meet with financial institutions that it really does get down to What today is your legacy culture and leadership perspective as to whether or not they're going to move forward quickly or they're just going to be a laggard?
1: Without a doubt. And, you know, when I think about the obstacles, people talk about integration with legacy platforms, the the biggest obstacle to get over is, you know, culture and embedded culture and beliefs. I have to say, I am so glad I'm in this role now versus three years ago, because three years ago, it was a very much, you know, at best talking about on-prem, cloud services, you know, PII data in the cloud, no, never gonna happen. Right, right. And now we've moved past a lot of those conversations. Obviously, security is always at the front of any conversation and dialogue. What's been interesting to me is how do we play a role in bringing more business and tech together and demonstrating the value on both sides? And I think in some ways it surprised people because they think, oh, Google Cloud is, you know, an infrastructure play. Well, it's not, there's so much more when you start to think about data and the products and services we're building to, you know, really move financial institutions forward at speed. And I will tell you just even in the last six months, The conversation and the dialogue is changing dramatically from a, you know, oh my God, you know, they're going to come in and talk to us about something and we're never going to do this and it's too risky to, uh, I'm intrigued and let's have this conversation. And it's much more now about a differentiation conversation than it is why technology. And I think, you know, going through the last 12 months of the pandemic, it's really forced people to think differently about how they serve and is the technology that they've banked their career on the right technology to take them forward. So it's, it's a great place to be at a great time right now.
0: I mean, we talked about the the advantages and disadvantages of the pandemic. You know, we had a lot of leaders in financial institutions that had never used used mobile banking themselves, Mm -hmm. had never done a lot of these things. And, you know, when they all of a sudden get the Netflix effect of proactive recommendations on what should come next, and they, they start ordering their groceries online, and as you said, your mom doing digital banking, all of a sudden they see what's possible, but they also see that, Guess what? All consumers are doing this—not just the millennials or the the Gen Zs of the world. So, what are some of the concepts, some of the the vision that you have as to what banking will feel like? And I, initially, I was thinking five to ten years from now, but that's that's absurd because we don't have a clue. One to two years from now, what do you what do you see banking as an industry feeling more like than it does now?
1: You know, I, I say this, and uh, you know, I think it's already happened the banking of the future. You know, if you look at Asia, as an example, as truly a leader and how the tech companies have played a role in really providing the customer features and services and allowing their platforms to be the pass-through rate of your payments, as an example. So they're still very connected with the banks, but they actually recognize that consumers need to operate differently. And they started building ecosystems. So I believe that we will be on a journey of what does connected ecosystems really start to look like. And you've got two different models in Asia. You've got one where the tech giants actually led it, and they are the central point. You look at China as an example. But then you've got other countries in there where each bank has built out their own ecosystems. You know, in some places you can book, I think it's Taiwan, that you can book your cinema tickets and order your popcorn through your banking application. And I think we have a potential to go in that direction in in the U.S. where we start to really think about how do you intersect with payments and how do you start to bring that into this broader ecosystem? And I think that will continue to evolve. I think we will have to start to evolve products and services. I think it's more in your five to 10 than, than, than your one to three. Right. How do we start to break down products differently? You think about the construct of family today. Family could be me and my dog walker. It could be you know any kind of combination of setup, yet our products, financial products, don't support the way people live their lives. So I think there's going to be an opportunity to deconstruct some of that, to find different reward mechanisms, especially when I talk about tying health and wealth together as an example. How do you reward behavior? How does the insurance industry and the health industry start to align? So I think you'll start to see these ecosystems emerging that bring in so you can see your financial picture in one place. You know, nobody wants to go to, I think, what the average is 14 applications on a mobile phone for financial services. Nobody wants to operate like that. So how do you find a way to be able to bring it together and I can quickly and easily get a snapshot and understand my risk and understand what is available to me if I have an emergency? I know that I have a credit line. So I think these types of things, we'll start to see them across the fintech landscapes, And then eventually we'll start to pull them together to serve our customers collectively.
0: Well, it's interesting because you brought up, we have all these different financial services. As consumers, we're building our own open banking environment. I mean, I I use PayPal for my business. I use Acorns for my savings account. I use traditional financial institutions for my deposits. And I use a completely different type of organization for my mortgage. So when we look at what's going on, there's a lot of things going on. And a lot of the biggest organizations are doing extraordinarily well at meeting the needs of the digital consumer. My question for you is if you were all of a sudden put in a situation that you were managing a smaller mid sized organization, one that is stuck in the middle between the big guys and the agile smaller community banks, how do they survive in an environment like this? What recommendations would you give them besides change some of your legacy thinking and culture? But beyond that, is there a place for that midpoint organization? I think it's an
1: interesting conversation and I think it really depends on are they willing to reinvent themselves. Yeah. And how do they raise the capital to do that? So to me there's a lot more opportunity around partnerships in the mid tier Financial organizations and how do they start coming together in order to, you know, become kind of these these super minis? You know, I think is a ton of opportunity there. The model of today is sustainable for a period of time. Once everything opens up, there's still people that are very comfortable, you know, going to their their branch and uh, or their local. They want to go in and, and see, you know, Kathy every Tuesday and all the time that we have checks and you know things like that there will be that relationship. But I do think now is the time to think differently. I think now is the time to start thinking about the open banking network and what can you give your customer, even locally, that makes them feel like an individual. And, you know, a lot of this is is about, again, how do you use data or how do you understand your customer's behavior to know what's important to them and get out of generic product solutions. You know, my advice is every, company needs to think as a customer as a product of one and that you can start having interchangeable features that are relevant to them, so they feel like they've built their own financial services relationships. So there's plenty of opportunity. You know, there's a lot of, and I think the pandemic has really encouraged a lot of community behavior, you know, and activity. So I don't think I'm ready to write anyone off yet, but I do think that there's an opportunity to sit back and think differently about the models and how they engage.
0: I agree with you, totally That it's going to take some merger and acquisitions, but it, it's not a matter of just making a what I call bigger bad organization. One of the organizations, hopefully the acquirer, is going to have the insight and the foresight to see what's possible in the future. Because again, if you combine, we used to call them the uh, the good bank and the bad bank in the old mortgage days. But uh, you know, if you combine two bad banks, you don't make a good bank. Yeah. And and I don't mean that derogatory to anybody, but it, but you still need the culture and the leadership to say, we're open to change. We are going to do things differently. We're going to look out for the consumer. And oh, by the way, if we do that well, and we partner well with organizations that can move us there, we're actually going to reduce costs in the process, which which addresses both sides of uh, what we're trying to accomplish. Completely agree, Joe. I want to thank you for being on the show today. It's great talking to you, Yo, again, and, and congratulations on your job move. And hopefully, uh, while I'm, I'm sure you don't want to leave Florida anytime soon, I'm sure it's going to be great to be able to engage with your team more on a one-to-one basis. So congratulations and thanks again.
1: Thank you so much. Great to see you again.
0: Good to see you. You know, it was really great to get together with Yolanda Piazzi again at Google. I've known her since her time at Citi. And it was interesting to see her perspective from what I call the other side of the desk, where she's actually selling to financial institutions as opposed to buying as a financial institution. And I think it's important to see that at the end of the day, partnering with Google is going to be one that organizations have to do with their eyes wide open, but it provides an extraordinarily high upside if you use the data, analytics, and cloud technologies to build partnerships with Google or any big tech firm. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. Ray's a top five financial banking podcast on Apple. If you enjoy what we're doing, please be sure to subscribe to the Bank and Transform podcast on your favorite podcast app. In addition, please take a minute or so to provide a review. It lets us know how we're doing and provides a springboard for bringing more world-class guests to the show. Finally, be sure to catch my articles in the financial brand and look for the new research you're doing on financial marketing, innovation, customer experience, and the future of work as part of the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A big thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Will Hoffman, and our video producer, Will Pitts. I'm your host, Jim Marus. Until next time, make every day a learning experience. You've got
1: questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging.